Hi. Hello. And welcome. We're your hosts. I'm Alex. And I'm Kat. You found the two PFFs you didn't know you needed, but you're glad you have. Congratulations. You have found your people. Enjoy the ride as we navigate what it's like to live live out loud. Hi. Hey. How's it going? It's good. We are back with another deconstruction. Another deconstruction. Are you sick of it yet? No. No. I'm not. I hope our listeners aren't. I really hope not either. It's been really powerful. I've learned a lot about you. You've learned a lot about me. A lot of the stories that we shared in the last two episodes have been, one, very, very vulnerable, but two, things that neither of us really knew about each other. So. It was, it sparked a lot of great conversation, and I'm really excited to dive into what we have today. Yeah, me too. Like, for me, as like I told you, like, I have shared bits and pieces of my story, but never the whole thing at one time, and a timeline, you know? (laughs) Um, So, today, we're talking about how this is a common thing, right? Um, Not something that is... Uh, celebrated um, in church culture maybe it should be right um, but honestly it should be right but it's a common thing uh, people walking away from the church and even walking away from their faith that part I don't encourage um, but the deconstruction process I, I think is important and vital and we'll get into that um, in America of Americans call themselves Christians today. And um, like Dr. Google says, (laughs) that that sounds like a lot, but it's really not. 50 years ago, that number was 90%. Um, And according to a 2020 Pew Research Research Center study, that same survey said that the Christian majority in the U.S. will disappear completely in 2070. Um, I read a statistic earlier that said that from 1976 until 2020 i think that like christianity like people that identify as christians or go to church has declined by something like 12 percent um which was like a drastic um change right um and so for me i am 100 percent behind and think that it's important and should be encouraged that anyone who's ever been in church, especially those who grew up in church, look at their faith mm-hmm. and what they believe or what they've been told to believe and dig into scripture and their own beliefs for themselves. Right. I think that's vitally important. And we see this in other cultures too. Right. Um, I'm not well-versed in like Amish culture, for instance. But I do know that there is a time period at the, you know, the height of the teenage young adulthood years where they're encouraged to go out and see for yourself and experience things and study for yourself, you know, um, in their culture. And I think that we don't encourage that in church because we're scared that you'll do something wrong or you'll say something wrong or you'll what money. Yeah. They'll lose money if they tell you to go. Right. And like, yeah. 
And I don't think you should necessarily walk away from church. I don't think you have to. I think a lot of people do. And I think that that can be a good experience for a lot of folks. Um, I don't necessarily think that it's a, a piece of the puzzle that has to happen. Right. Um, I mean, it did, you know, it didn't for me. So obviously it doesn't have to happen. Um, but you should definitely dig into your faith for yourself. A hundred percent. And it, like you said, it's not advocated for or encouraged enough because I think in the background there's a fear that you'll figure it out. And not that every church or institution or religion mm-hmm. is hiding something per se. Right. But there is definitely a level of, oh, like, there's, yes, like, being in a church congregation is so important. But nowhere, at least to my knowledge at this current moment in time, does it say that we have to gather in a building. That's not. And so a lot of times, like, that's especially in the Western world and the Western culture of religion and Christianity, it's a building. And when you leave the building, you've left the faith entirely. And that's a huge point of fear Mm -hmm. that is taught to a lot of believers. Yes, it is. And I understand, since like we talked about in the other episodes, right? right? It's like there's the truth. And the good intention, and then there's manipulation and mm-hmm. bad intention, right? And both can be a part of the same thing, right? Right. And I think that that might actually come from a place of good intention. 100%, yeah. In one way, right? So you have, like, the matriarchs, for instance, of the faith, mm-hmm. right? Most of them don't want you to leave the church because they're fearful that by not being a part, not holding yourself accountable in that environment right, might cause you to walk away from your faith or face struggles alone or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. because that's where their community has mm-hmm. been, right? And so I think there's some good intention behind that thought process or where it originated. Agreed. You know, um, but you are also right in that the American church... Not all of them, but we've seen it, especially in recent years. The financial aspect of the American church, if people aren't in the pews, then the church isn't paying its bills. Right. Right? Now, speaking as a pastor's wife, (laughs) whose husband is, you know, employed with the church. Right. um, If people don't attend church, then... Yes, his job is in jeopardy, but also so are some vital ministries that we do in the community, you know, and I think that's a distinction and we're going to kind of get into in this episode, if you want to transition back into church or if you're looking to be a part of community of believers, what to look for and what to steer away from, right? right? Um, The church that you, you go to, it should be able to show you receipts. Right. It should be able to say, this is, this is what we do in our community with, with what you give, with the dollars that you bring in the door, this is how many dollars go out to, into the community. This is how many dollars it takes to run the institution. And what does that do 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I think that is important. That transparency is important. And one of the things that Tommy does that I, I know a lot of pastors don't do mm-hmm. is he stays out of the books entirely. So giving is blind for him. Right. He doesn't know who gives what, um, and he never wants to know. And the reason he never wants to know is because he knows that he's human. Right. And he doesn't want to ever treat anyone any differently, whether they give a penny or they give millions of dollars, because that's not what it's about. Right. It's the heart and the intention behind the giving that matters the most. Mm -hmm. and. I love that perspective, or not that perspective, that practice, because it's not a perspective, that he's out of that entirely. Because you truly, at least in my experience, like, I don't know that that's been true in any of the churches that I've been in. Mm -hmm. Granted, I've never been a pastor's wife. I've never been involved at that level. Mm -hmm. And it was, I was not on a need to know basis. (laughs) And so, but like in the same breath, like, yeah, like if people are in the pews, then the institution as a whole can't operate in the ministries that it it provides Mm -hmm. to the community. It can't fund or, you know, attribute to the salaries, et cetera, et cetera, keep the lights on whatever and that's really important too and so we're not discounting that element when it comes to deconstruction and people you know leaving the church I think a big part in what we've done in our research and my own personal experience leaving the church because there's a desperate need to find our own faith Mm -hmm. and or they've been hurt in some capacity or Whatever, and a lot of times I think the uh, stereotype or the misinformation around the mass exodus, because when that was happening in 2020, it was a big topic of conversation. Yes. And the pandemic level of it was ignored. It was a mass exodus because people finally had an excuse to not go to church. And that's not totally true. Like we talked about Mm -hmm. in previous episodes, we were all given a chance to finally slow down yeah. and reevaluate what we were doing, how we were doing it, and if it was worth our time, effort, energies, and finances mm-hmm. to continue, continue doing those things. And so you have that break off of people who left the church, still believe in God, left the church, don't believe in God, or left the church... And are kind of lost, like mm-hmm. don't know left from right, like mm-hmm. really are struggling in that regard or find a totally new religion altogether. Right. But you're right, that happened a lot during COVID. And the the rhetoric from the church as a whole around that mm-hmm. was a negative one. Right. Right. And a lot of a lot of times when people are negative about things, it comes from a place of fear. Right. They fear that the church will fall apart. They fear that church is very personal to people. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize that, but church is super personal. We get a front row seat to that because we moved. We were in what's called an itinerant system for several years and that we moved from church to church. And so when we come into a new congregation, 
you have to learn that church is very personal to people. Mm-hmm. It's like you go in and change something in their church environment. It's like you went inside their home and changed something. Right. Because it's very personal. They spend a lot of their time there. Their children were raised there. Like all these memories are held there. All these things. It's more than just a place of worship for people. It's a place of community. A place that holds their memories. Right. You know, those kinds of things. And so it's super personal. And so when people are judgmental about this mass exodus, especially of a younger generation from the church, they take it personally because they're fearful that the whole thing will go away. They're hurt because they're like, well, we, we raised this generation of young people. Right. And now they're walking away from everything that we stand for or that's their perception. Right. And Mm -hmm. we were in a very intense season, at least in Oklahoma of revival. Like revival was being talked about regularly like Mm -hmm. it's coming we're preparing for it we're making the way for it and then you see this exodus and people associated that with a disassociation of revival Mm -hmm. and in fact in my humble opinion that's exactly what a revival is is leaving not in a negative way but actually going out and exploring the faith for yourself, sharing that with other people, mm-hmm. and not being succumbed to one circle of people. You can't have a revival, mm-hmm. and I could be wrong. I don't think you can have a revival, let me rephrase, with just in this immediate group. Mm-hmm. Like a revival by definition is an unexpected wave. In, like, the most basic, mm-hmm. common term. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily happen with the same community that's been involved with each other for a long time. It's right. people coming in droves, at least to my knowledge. And, and a lot of people, at least from my experience, like... It was, oh, you can't consider an exodus or revival. It's an excuse for leaving. And it was like, but now I have so much more clarity about the gospel, about God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, X, Y, Z, than I did when we were planning said revival. Like, you don't plan a revival. It just happens. It just happens. And I'm a little jaded when it comes to revival, (laughs) if I'm being honest. Um, Just because, you know, there have been movements of God that were falsified right um and so that really has me hesitant when people are like oh this big revival is happening okay where's the life change right okay how are they now treating people right i don't expect people to attend a revival and all of a sudden be a completely different person right but i do believe that things begin to change yeah and so i'm i'm very hesitant Um, when it comes to things like that. But I think that you're right in that revival can look very different than what people knew of in the 90s, in the late 80s of the Billy Graham Crusades, Mm -hmm. right? Um, It doesn't necessarily mean stadiums or things like that. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's a change in mindset. That's right. What we're seeing right now. That's right. Whether it's classified as a revival or not is a change in mindset, and you're seeing people go back to scripture mm-hmm. versus like what we talked about in your episode following man. Yeah, exactly. And you know, the thing about it is, is that like, you know, I love my husband and I, I think he's a, a really good pastor, mm-hmm. 
but I still tell everybody that asks, like, he is a human. He, he studies and he prays and he cares for the people and he takes it seriously mm-hmm. that scripture says that he will be judged more harshly for the words that he speaks. Right. You know, he takes that seriously. Very. However, he's still a person and he may get stuff wrong. Right. He's not above apologizing if he does, but he still may get stuff wrong. And it is not our place to sit and just go, oh, well, you know, he's so great and he's the the man of God and he's blah, blah, blah. Well, he is, but we also have to study and show our own selves approved. We also have to study scripture for ourselves to see what it says. Mm -hmm. And does it line up with what's being taught from, from that perspective? Right, 100%. And I think to bring it back to just, like, finding those, the right places. Like, if you're yeah. wanting to go back and re or rediscovering, like, what that looks like, I think exactly, like, I know we're a little biased because Tommy's your husband, now is a good friend of mine, and my husband... Like, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for a person in leadership, at least this is what helped me, who recognizes that they are, at the end of the day, human beings, and they are blessed and fortunate to be able to share the word of God on a platform. Mm -hmm. And that platform can be taken away it's what you don't want to look for or what, you know, should be a red flag is leadership who's untouchable. Yes. 100%. Um, who can't be questioned. Yeah. Who can't be challenged. Right. Who can't sit down and have a conversation with you that is a difference of opinion than theirs. Right. These are all red flags that you should look for in leadership. You should also look for red flags if, There's not ministry in the community happening out of the church. Um, Churches should not be for-profit institutions. We're not here to make money. Right. Um, And I think that's gotten a lot of pushback over the years and part of, you want to talk about a mass exodus, that's part of it. Yeah. You have homelessness like going up exponentially you have hunger going up exponentially people can barely feed their families and you've got pastors owning private jets so they can go to their different speaking engagements where they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars and that doesn't sit right with folks let me tell you it doesn't sit right with me neither right preachers and sneakers man like you've got pastors standing in front of audiences wearing $10,000 tennis shoes or Gucci jackets. And like, wow, that's all good and well, like fashion is fashion. But if that's at the expense of the poverty that is in your backyard, I have a problem with that. So do I. And I'm, I don't, I want to preface that by saying, or disclaimer, whatever, that it's okay for, for someone in ministry to have nice things. Right. Okay. However, you are absolutely correct. The backs of the churches, the backs of the senior citizens that are on a fixed income given to your church because you're saying that they're given a 30-minute giving sermon about how they need to give until it hurts and mm-hmm. God will bless them. Okay, while they're eating cat food because they can't afford groceries after they give to your institution and then you're buying Gucci jackets, that's a problem. 
Right. And the church needs to call it out. 100%. Because what continues to happen when the world calls it out and the church turns a deaf ear is that more and more people walk away. Why? Because God is not good? No. Because his representation on this earth sucks. That was candid. That I mean, but it's it's honestly the truth and that it's the root at the end of the day of why we even decided to start this series on deconstruction because yeah. nobody the church isn't having that conversation everyone's pointing fingers and the people who are on the evangelical side who are in the process of disentangling their faith deconstructing their faith figuring out what they want they're not pointing fingers anymore no they're literally stepping back going what <laughs> i'm out mm-hmm. and I'm going to go practice this Bible over here that everyone seems to be ignoring because we've decided to take the God out of the equation. Exactly. I saw this woman on TikTok the other day and she was doing this live and I just just happened to come across it. She has completely left her faith. So she hasn't just left the church, but she's completely walked away from um, faith altogether and is now like agnostic, right? And she does these things where she's just like... I know what caught my eye about it was she was saying, come on in, you're welcome here. Um, no matter which side of the table you're on, I promise not to uh, judge and speak to you the way you always have to me, basically. And that that hurt my heart, not because of what she said, mm-hmm. but because I knew that she was right. Right. In that the way that I have seen the church speak to and treat those that do not believe or walk the same way they do is appalling. Mm-hmm. And I have never been in a group of people that didn't believe the same way that I did, that treated me badly because I did believe. Right. And so. You know, Jesus commanded the disciples, go forth and make disciples of all nations. Right. Right? But he didn't say, go up to everybody and be mean to them until they believe the way that you believe. Go forth and make disciples. Well, how do we make disciples? Right. Okay. Well... You think about like on the job training, right? I get a job as a barista at Starbucks and I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. And the person that's been there 10 years is like, hey, I got you. Don't worry. Come over here. I'll help you. They don't go, you stupid idiot. You should know exactly what to do. Don't you, haven't you ever seen coffee before? Can't you make coffee? I don't understand. Why, why do you want to make coffee that way? That's stupid. Right. No. They're like, to make a good barista, they'll be like, hey, no, come over here. I'll show you how to do this. You use this. This is how you use this. Oh, you didn't do it right. That's fine. Listen, I got you. We'll try again tomorrow. And you come back the next day and the next day and the next day until the new barista is doing great. And then that new barista can then teach the new barista how to make coffee. Right. Right. And that is how I envision making disciples. Right. You're never going to get anybody to want to do anything by telling them how wrong they are, how terrible they are, 
how how unloved they are. None of those things are true, by the way. Right. And the same people who want to put like a Bible verse on the bottom of their business cards, on the bottom of their coffee mugs for their business that they own mm-hmm. are the same people that are pointing fingers at Starbucks saying, why are you doing pride stuff? No, 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 no. Why are we approving same-sex marriage? Why are we allowing people to do this and that? And, like, cutting people off. And it's like, what? <laughs> you can't. And, like, it, it's the very simple phrase of you point one finger, you cut. Like, three, maybe four if your thumb's a little crooked, pointing back at you. Mm-hmm. And people are tired of it. Like, there is so much information out there now at our fingertips that people are... Like, there's no way to hide behind that Mm -hmm. crap and, like... Well, the thing about it is is that if if you want to put a scripture on your business card, put a scripture on your business card. Right. But live it. Yeah. Yes. Live it. Live it. You know, it's like... We joke that I'm not allowed to wear my God is love t-shirts to football games, <laughs> right? Because my middle child who plays football, um, he's like two times bigger and taller than all the kids his age. And so he gets yelled at a lot by like other people on the sidelines, like saying mean things to him because he's so big and I'm a mama bear. And so we joke that I can't wear my church t-shirt to uh, football games. Um, but the reality of it is, is that wear your t-shirt. But if you're going to wear your t-shirt, like, don't do the opposite of what your t-shirt says. Right, exactly. Right? If you're, if you're going to put a scripture on your business card, well, when you, don't, when you hand out your business card, don't be mean to the barista you're handing it to. Right. If you're, you know what I mean? Like, scripture is to be lived out. It's not, it's not to be, he didn't say, go out and shout from the rooftops, repent all you sinners. Right. Right. right, he said, "Go forth and make disciples." Right, and I am convinced. And if I'm wrong, I'll answer for it. Right. But I am convinced that making disciples means coming alongside of people and loving them mm-hmm. and living the truth. Right, living it. Right, a hundred percent. I saw a TikTok of a girl today that was like. I'm not convinced that the Jesus that we've changed and misconstrued because the Jesus in the Bible was Mm -hmm. poor, was, you know, didn't have the best clothes, hung out with prostitutes, et cetera, et cetera. Right. She's not convinced, personally, I'm not convinced that if he were to come back today, he wouldn't be crucified again. Mm. That'll preach. I mean, enough said. Mm -hmm. And... It's kind of like the, like, I get fired up because, like, enough is enough. But, like, I'm also coming from a place of I'm still learning. I'm still growing. Like, I talked about therapy in previous episodes. Mm -hmm. Going through religious trauma, working through that was never, it wasn't never allowed. It was never encouraged. Correct. And it has changed my life in the sense that I can now not sit at a table with leadership and point fingers and ask a bunch of questions and then be like, oh my gosh, who's this stranger questioning me like crazy? 
but instead sit around the table with a group of people who don't know me but have opened up their home to say, you can ask any questions you want, and that's fine. There's no judgment. There's no... It used to be going through discipleship school, if I questioned scripture, that was not an okay... Like, it wasn't said that it wasn't okay, but it wasn't encouraged. Mm -hmm. It was, this is truth, period. And it's like, okay, but that's your interpretation. What about this interpretation? And... That's where I'm at now in my walk and my faith of getting, like, I have hope again. Like, my faith journey looks different because finally, for the first time, I'm in control of it. Yeah. But a lot of times in the church, people get upset with that because the leadership has wanted to be in control. Right. Right. And so that's one of the things that we need to realize as the church Mm -hmm. is that people need to work out their own salvation that is scriptural people need to work out their own salvation in fear and trembling it is not our job to work out their salvation for them right our responsibility is to love god with all our heart all our mind and all our soul and to love our neighbor as ourselves. our responsibility is to go into all nations and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the father that is our role our role is not to bring judgment our role is not to chastise and make people feel terrible our job is to live out our faith Mm -hmm. to walk it out to be the hands and feet of christ right Right. to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and and do all those things and care for the widows and orphans which is pure and undefiled religion according to scripture Right. Those are the things that we're supposed to be busy about. And I am wholly convinced that if we got about the business that Christ called us to, people would flock to the church. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be a haven. Right. Right. We're supposed to be the place that you can come and you can work out your problems. We're supposed to be the place that you can come and find healing. We're supposed to be the place that you can come and have your needs met. We're supposed to be the place of care and comfort and concern and love. Right. But so many times now we are viewed, and rightly so, I'm sorry, but we are viewed as judgmental and critical and mean-spirited and uncompassionate Right. Money-hungry institutions. A hundred percent. And ones that are unwilling to open the doors to the broken. Yes. When that, we're all broken. <laughs> right. we, we, can, we can walk around like we're not, and we can pretend hard. Oh, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's even scriptural. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. If we didn't sin, if we didn't have problems, if we didn't have burdens, we wouldn't need to take up his yoke because it's easier and light. If we didn't have all that stuff, we wouldn't need a savior. It would be a mute point. Yes. Find me a perfect person and I'll shut up. (laughs) Right. And that's the problem that we've developed and grown into over the last decade, century, really. In, well, much longer than that because, but like, it is now time for us all to take responsibility. Yes. And, okay, cool, we've got a shepherd, we've got a pastor who's Mm -hmm. willing to lead the flock. Great. The flock also needs to be held accountable. And the flock needs to also be the ones that hold the door open. Correct. They need to hold the door open, and they need to hold the shepherd accountable. Facts. 
Period. Period. And, you know, we have a this generation of people that is more educated than any generation has ever been. Mm-hmm. Right? You see this. We In the church, we like to be like, well, they're just doing it to the church. No, they're not. Right. This generation is calling out leaders in every area. Mm-hmm. They're calling out their leaders at work. They're calling out their leaders in government. They're calling out their world leaders. They're calling out leaders in church. They're calling out hypocrisy and mismanagement and narcissism, all kinds of things in lots of different areas. Right. Because people are sick and tired of it. And the church is no exception. Mm-hmm. And we need to stop. We need to stop acting A, like we're perfect. Mm-hmm. And B, like broken people don't belong. <laughs> And see, like, we have all the answers because we don't. God does. We don't. Right. And you know what God created, Alex? What? God created brains that became doctors. <laughs> God created brains that became pastors. Yeah. God created brains that became musicians. God created brains that became therapists. Full stop. A lot of people in the church... Want to be like, oh, you shouldn't see a counselor. That's not, that's not right. Mm-hmm. I know that's how I grew up. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't go do that. Yeah. You, you prayed your anxiety away in Matthew 6, right? Mm-hmm. Like you prayed away your anxiety. You prayed away your headaches. You prayed away all that stuff. But then I was in a more progressive situation where you could take an Advil for your headache. But, <laughs> you know, you have anxiety. Um, you should talk to God about that. Depression, why should you be downtrodden? Okay, listen, mental health is just as physical of an ailment Mm. as a cold, as cancer, as diabetes, as a broken leg. Amen. (laughs) And you need to seek out good counsel. I I have a, a friend in my life, and she's going through a very difficult time, and I, um, and kind of have a front row seat to what she's going through. And she told me recently, you know, that a person in her life that she's having a very hard time with told her, well, you have issues and you need counseling. And I nodded. Because we all have issues. <laughs> and we all need counseling. Right. Right. We all, we all do. And this person, she's she's very religious and she, she loves the Lord and, and she loves people. And her heart's really broken. And, and she said... Well, you know, the Holy Spirit is supposed to be our counselor, and he will tell me if I'm out of line or I'm this or that. And the Holy Spirit will nudge us and guide us in all these things. I 100% believe that. Right. The Holy Spirit is not a substitute for licensed professional counseling. Amen. And if you want the Holy Spirit to be involved in the process, then pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you to the correct one. Right. Right. I'm literally a walking example of prayer wasn't enough. Right. And there's, and that is like, it's very cringy to say out loud because it was the opposite of what I grew up with. Yeah. And to go through the trauma that I went through, the things that I saw at 15 years old in a third world country, I saw breast cancer, literally eating a female alive, mm-hmm. watching the skin burn away in in my eyeballs, 
And I was supposed to turn around, get on a van, get on, drive 20 hours, get on a plane, fly 36 hours home, and go back to high school. Like it never affected you. Like it never happened. Mm-hmm. And if it bothered me, I was to pray. I was to seek the Lord. I was, to, I was supposed to seek counsel, not licensed therapy counsel. Right. But talk to somebody. Your, but, your pastor is not a professional counselor. No. Tommy has a three-meeting rule. He will meet with you three times to see if it's something that you just need to talk out mm-hmm. or it's something that you need deeper help for. Right. And if he feels that it's something you need deeper help for, he knows it's beyond his depth, he will reach in his little file, he will pull out the list of licensed professional counselors that he trusts, and he will hand it to you and make a referral because he knows his depth. Right. He can pray for you. He can comfort you. He can talk through something with you. He can listen to you. But he is not trained to help you through mental health things. Right. No more than he is trained to amputate your leg. Right. <laughs> or to heal your cancer. Yeah. Now, will he pray for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Should we always pray if there's anything going on or pray without ceasing period absolutely we should Mm -hmm. but god gave us common sense and he gave us wisdom and he gave us people that can help us with different things right and in the church we need to start encouraging and advocating for people to seek the mental help mental health care that they need to seek the physical health care that they need. Right. Okay. To ask the hard questions. Mm-hmm. To dig deep to find the answers. Right. God is not scared of our questions. The church shouldn't be either. A hundred percent. And if it wasn't for going through counseling, through a therapist, I also went through EMDR, which mm-hmm. is eye movement detection therapy, mm-hmm. um, or whatever. I don't know the full... I don't remember what the R stands for. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. Your eyes go back and forth. It helps clear some negative memories in your life. I physically could not walk into a church building, period, mm-hmm. after leaving in 2020. Nothing happened to me physically in a church mm-hmm. that would I would think would trigger me to walk into one. I walked into one, had a panic attack, and didn't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. I've had several panic attacks in my life. Anxiety is something that I live with. And it stemmed from things that I did not know were issues. Like, Africa was a time of my life. I like I have so many amazing memories. It changed my life. Serving as a worship leader changed my life. There are so many good... Though both can be true. You can have a good experience and have trauma. Yes. And I didn't know that because I was told to push it away. And then when I finally had time to sit with it, I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I do have some issues. And they weren't bad issues. They were just things that I needed to work through if I ever wanted to feel comfortable in a church again. And walking into, we record in a church. Right. And I'm happy to say that I can do that now. But the first time I did that a year ago, it wasn't easy. And right. it took, I had to take baby steps. I couldn't go down the hallways. Like, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And if, it, if I wouldn't have seek, 
or sought out the help that I needed, that I didn't know I really needed, I may never have come back. Right. And it wasn't and how for, tragic. And how tragic. Because community, both in a physical four-walled building and community outside a four-walled building is so important. Is. And I would have avoided it for the rest of my life had I not sit, sought out the counsel that I deserved. Mm-hmm. I think that's super important. I deserved that. Yeah. I deserved to talk through that. Yeah. And it wasn't until I saw a therapist, right. I saw multiple, where she was like, actually, let's do EMDR. Let's go there. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to go there? And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it helped me be able to figure out who I am as a person, mm-hmm. gain that control back in my life, yeah. and be able to figure out my faith for myself, not defined by anyone else but right. me and God. Yeah, which is so vitally important. Right. It's so important. I tell people all the time, it's important to know who you are mm-hmm. so that you can show up as who you are in your life, in your relationships, and in your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. That's so important. Yeah. Um, I think there's there's a, a two-part thing here in the steps the church needs to take to make it a more safe place yeah. for those who are questioning or have walked away or any of that. And there's also the steps that you can take if you are someone who's deconstructed and is outside of the church but still has faith in God and maybe longs for community but not sure how to do that again. Or maybe you've walked away from your faith entirely, but sometimes you still think, did I make the right decision? Um, So I'll start from the church side of things. Mm -hmm. I think that as a church, collectively, when I say the church, I mean holistically the the christian church as a whole mm-hmm. not one denomination not i'm talking about faith and 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 god and christ jesus and the holy spirit okay right. we need to create in ourselves space for questions for compassion mm-hmm. to teach ourselves that our first thought doesn't need to be one of judgment but one of compassion and understanding we need to welcome people that don't look like us, think like us, speak like us, dress like us, any of the above. And we say that we want to do that, but in actuality, when's the last time you gave up your seat because someone else was sitting in it? When's the last time that you went up to the person who didn't look like you at church and actually had an authentic, kind conversation with them where you sought to understand them better. Right. Right? Because Jesus didn't look like us or sound like us. Right. I mean, that's a prime example, right? Um, we need to question our leadership. Yeah. Are they, are they saying the right things? Are they doing the right things? Does the, does the church that you want to be a part of, does it, does it show the receipts? Do you see ministries happening in the church that you belong to? All these things are important as a church to look at. Mm-hmm. Are we showing up in our community for the right people? Not for the right people, but for the people right. in the right ways. Are we doing those things? Are we loving people? Do people feel comfortable when they come here? If not, why? Right. Could we dress differently and make them more comfortable? Could we do worship differently to make them more comfortable? 
all these things are important. And if you've walked away from the church, if you've walked away from your faith, if you're ever interested in trying to figure out reconciliation with a body of believers again, I would encourage you to do the hard work. I think there's a piece of deconstruction that first flows through anger. Yeah. Where you're angry that you've been through these things. You're angry at the church. You're angry at God even. You, you know, and a lot of people stay there in their deconstruction. Yeah. A lot of people stay in the anger and they're just mad at the church and they're just mad at God. And so they're just not going to do it anymore. They're not going to believe anymore. They're not going to whatever. And the truth is that's not what they actually believe, but that's where they, they stay because it's easier to stay in that anger than it is to deal with the actual stuff. Yeah, definitely. So I would encourage you to get past the anger and dig into the real issues. Is your real issue with something that happened in the church or with the church in general or with God? And seek that out for yourself and read scripture for yourself and a translation that you can understand and really get to the depths of what you truly believe and what scripture actually says. Seek counseling, licensed professional counseling, if you need it. Right. I think everybody needs it. Yeah. Okay. Do that and then look for churches that are involved in the community. Look for churches that offer things other than Sunday morning worship services. Because it can be a lot easier to come to a fall festival yeah, and meet the people and check it out than it can be to walk into Sunday morning worship, right? Seek that out. Ask about the leadership. Ask what they believe. Ask who they are. Get to know that because I think it will help build you back and build your faith back um, as you really determine what you truly believe and you want to find like-minded people to be in community with. In our next episode, we're going to dive more into what a community of believers looks like outside of just the church walls. Because statistically, it's actually important. Your mental health is actually better your family dynamic is actually better if you're involved in a community of faith. Mm-hmm. If your mental health isn't being destroyed because of it. Right. My husband and I, you know, invite people into our home to gather around the table, as we put it, because that's where we feel like we can really build some relationships and some community outside of the church walls. What we really have told people for years in ministry is that there's a lot of people, even before this mass exodus of folks, you know, that are comfortable coming into our home. Right. But weren't so comfortable excuse me, coming into the four walls of a church building for whatever reason. And so we found that we can build a community of faith around our dining room table Mm -hmm. um, that is deeper and and more transformative in a way uh, than just inviting people to church. No, 100%. And I'm one of those, my husband and I are two of those people who met you and Tommy around the table at your home. We were still struggling. We had been in Georgia for about a year at that point, I think. Mm-hmm. We were coming up on a year, I think. And we had met a couple, um, Brooke and Caleb, both have been on the pod. Yes. And they were our neighbors. We had met with them. We played board games with them. We had had some like pretty deep conversations for us, how little we all four of us knew each other. Some pretty deep conversations around faith 
And I was straight up honest with them. I was like, I'm not interested. I don't want to go back to church. Like, I'm not there yet. And they were extremely kind and receptive to that um, and me and my husband's journey. Mm -hmm. And, of course, like, if you knew Brooke and Caleb, you'd know. Like, they kept asking, but it wasn't in a, when you coming, when you coming, when you coming. It was like, hey, we're meeting Tuesday. We're having breakfast night. We know you guys love breakfast. Like, um, there's going to be, you know, 12 people there, like just come hang out or whatever. And Brayden and I finally were like, we'll go. Mm-hmm. No promises. And that's when we went to El Bronco. Yes. <laughs> yes. It was a home church at a restaurant. So it wasn't actually at y'all's house. I totally forgot about that. No, no, that first night. And so we're like, fine, Mexican. We love Mexican. We're kind of suckers for we it. We love Mexican. Right. And so we were like, fine, whatever. Um, we didn't obviously know anybody and it was awkward, but like in the most normal way Mm -hmm. and we didn't really communicate with you and Tommy at really at all. Mm -mm. Um, and we just, you know, had a meal, we walked out and I remember standing outside waiting and just like laughing and talking about the upcoming Sunday and like the things that Brooke was doing because she and Caleb are ultra involved and all this stuff and I was like wow they seem so casual and we walked away and we got in Caleb's truck and I was like who were the was that Katie and Tommy like are they the pastors like I didn't really know right and he was like yeah 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 definitely and I was like what I was like I haven't met leadership that felt like humans like you guys were real people right and I've told you guys this and then the next Tuesday I think was an actual in-home home home church and we bravely showed up and um again another like awkward I haven't been around humans in the like religious circles in a while and I was like whatever and there it was right around Easter time and we kind of kept going, and what I loved about it was for the first time ever, I've been to many life groups, many home church type scenarios, and we always read the Bible or did some of this sort of study, and this felt different. Mm-hmm. It was honest conversations about Scripture. Literally, when you hear, if you've been in the church for any sort of period of time, when you hear somebody say, we're going to go through the book of John, and we're going to go verse by verse, you literally would rather pluck your eyeballs out. <laughs> Am I wrong? No. And so I was like, great. Yay for this us. Sounds... We're so not coming back next week. Right. But instead, we're all sitting around in the living room, breaking down. I don't know what book we were going through at the time. I really think it was John. It might have been. And I was like, holy cow, every single person here has asked, like, what I would have considered, like, a no-no question or, like, a hard question or been like, well, what about this? What's going on in history? And then I was like, holy crap, I have never, like, John's a very, very common book. Like, it's one of the, the, the bigs. Yeah, the Gospels. The Gospels, obviously. And... I had never heard certain parts of that scripture be talked about in that way. And I was, and it was nothing, you know, there was no fallacy to it. It was true. Mm-hmm. 
gospel. And I was like, this is not normal. And it left me wanting more because it gave it for the first time really ever. Mm -hmm. It was a group of people having honest conversations about an honest gospel. Yeah. And there was no judgment. And again, we were going around Easter and it wasn't until after Easter was over that I realized not one time had I been asked to attend a Sunday service. Mm -hmm. And you might think, oh, Alex, like, that's unfortunate. Like, did you not feel included or wanted? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was actually the opposite. I was praising God that they weren't asking because honestly, that was a deal breaker for me. Because growing up, it was, please come to our church, please come to our church, please do this, please do this. Like, it was like, it was all that church ever wanted and desired for me to be there. Mm-hmm. And and we just wanted to be in community with you. Yeah, and they and you guys just wanted to be in community. Mm-hmm. And, when, and you guys understood without really, I mean, we had a pretty intense first conversation it's intense being just like very vulnerable very quickly yeah um like the first or second time break, i remember that mm-hmm. and um like you had some knowledge that like we were new to this thing again i hadn't opened my bible in two years um i hadn't prayed in a group setting in two years like there was a lot of firsts for the first time and in a new reconstructed way yeah yeah. and it was really beautiful and I remember like you and Tommy like over time at like we have been a part of the home church for a year and a half now Mm -hmm. we started going again um it was like March ish of 2022, and made it through all of 2022. We started having you know game nights outside, and there was a lot of community. We kept hanging out with Brooke and Caleb separately. Um, I think you and I went and had lunch at one point, yeah. and it wasn't until really like May or June of this year of 2023 that we actually physically came to church Mm -hmm. I know in 2022 we came and helped with VBS Um, that was my first time setting foot in a church in over a year since um, we had moved to Georgia and I had that very intense conversation with another pastor here (laughs) in town Um, and again we went to VBS no pressure I give all of these details because I think it's important that when you're looking for a place, it's okay to move on. Yeah. It's okay if it doesn't fit your criteria. Mm-hmm. And for me, I desperately wanted authentic, real human beings. And I thought, I was like, holy cow, like you and I, we have a freaking podcast together. So clearly we clearly. hit it off. Yeah. And. I never thought I would have that kind of relationship with leadership in the church because for me, that was such a pedestal separation separation, mm-hmm. and I would never be in, have an intimate relationship. Granted, if you come back into the church sphere, you may not have that mm-hmm. and that's okay. For me, I didn't know it's what I needed. Yeah. And I didn't know that what I needed was transparent leadership. I didn't know what I needed was hard conversations. I didn't know what I needed was to go and read Bible stories that I grew up hearing 
every year at the same time of year from Mm -hmm. a new perspective, a new lens, going into like y'all's church being Methodist, that, never on my radar. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, wasn't even looking for a denomination outside of the ones that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage everyone who's you know struggling in some capacity to find that community again to look outside of your normal, right. what you were used to, right. um, because that might be the community that you need to feel whole again that sounds so cheesy but but it's but it's true though and and you made a good point in that you know when you said that about not being invited to easter services that like oh my goodness did did you feel included well on the flip side of that like there are church people that could listen to this podcast and be like you didn't invite them to church (laughs) right because that's a no-no right you're supposed to invite everybody to church especially on easter right right and you know the thing about it is is that if you are truly serious about being the hands and feet of Jesus, if you are truly serious about building community and caring about people, then you have to be willing to do that in an out-of-the-box kind of way Mm -hmm. that makes the other person comfortable. You might be uncomfortable while you're doing it, right? Right. There's many times that we have had to answer questions that didn't make us entirely comfortable or have to have conversations that didn't make us incredibly comfortable. But here's the thing. If you're truly in it for the, the community and the relationship, both your relationship with others and their relationship with God, if that's really the reason that you're in it, then you have to be willing to put your comfort aside Mm -hmm. to engage in what will be difficult conversation for both sides of the table. Right. But when you gather around the table knowing that everyone is welcome at the table, Mm -hmm. Alex and Braden knew they would be welcome if they came to church. Right. You instinctively knew that. Oh, yeah. You instinctively knew that if you showed up on Easter Sunday, you would be welcomed. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. 100%. But that there was zero pressure for you to come, ever. Ever. Now, are we glad that you're here? A thousand percent. Right. But that wasn't the intention. The intention was, how can we understand people that are walking away from the church? How can we be the crossroads that goes, okay, it's cool you walk away from the church, can we have a conversation before you walk away from God? Right. Mm-hmm. That's an important distinction. And that's what we've always wanted our table to be. Yeah. You don't have to come to church with us. You don't have to affiliate with a church. I mean, it's great if you do. We're here a lot. It'd be fun to do it with friends. But, like, you don't have to. Right. Let's sit around the table and have the hard conversations. Let's sit around the table and have the good conversations. Let's sit around the table and learn something from each other. Right. And welcome everybody into the table. Mm-hmm. And you guys talk, or you guys, you talked earlier about how people stay in this stage of anger. Yeah. And they're mad at God. They're mad at the church they came from. They're mad at their background. They're mad, whatever. I was there. Yeah. I was angry. Because everything that I felt like I had wasted so much time. Mm-hmm. And while, yes, maybe I did, I know that I wouldn't regret what happened or like change it for anything. Mm-hmm. And for me, and like for a lot of people, 
it it might not ever be the four walls that we're a part of right. and that anger and that fear or that hurt sometimes only can be healed by community yeah and for me a lot of I feel like at least from what I've seen on social media and like hearing other people's stories a part of them misses it a part of them wants to find that and I missed it like I talked about in my episode um sharing a little bit of my story I loved worship that's where I connected to God yeah and yeah, I don't feel like I really connected with God between 2020 and 2022. Yeah. That is like an eternity in my mind mm-hmm. coming from the background that I did. And I desperately missed worship, but it hurt. Yeah. Listening to it was triggering because like we talked about, I was discovering that some of the songs I led people in worship were manipulative. Were manipulative mm-hmm. And I didn't choose for them to be manipulative. That's just what happened. And I missed that. I missed the community. I knew that I desperately needed it. I just didn't know in what avenue, in what capacity that would be possible. Right. And if it wasn't for finding Brooke and Caleb's cat. (laughs) God. I don't know if I would have ever gotten there. And I would have stayed in this place of frustration. Yeah. Darkness loneliness Mm -hmm. for a really long time and I see like Brooke and Caleb's cat as like a little nudge of the Holy Spirit yeah I hate no I loathe cats loathe them they scare the ever-living bejesus out of me Hmm. fair they're cute from a distance from a distance and I love them (laughs) I'm a dog person. Um, I love them But too. I saw Gypsy, the kitty, and something compelled me to pick the cat up. And I will be ever grateful for a freaking cat for introducing me to them and for Brooke and Kayla to be willing and able to meet Brayden where we were at and be comfortable inviting us. Mm-hmm. And so I say all of that to say that if you are on the other side where you've mm-hmm. stayed – You've continued to trudge through church. You've stayed in your faith. You haven't, maybe like you, Katie, like yeah. you stayed within the church, but still ha- just struggled through disentanglement. Mm-hmm. I want to also encourage that side of don't stop asking. Mm-hmm. Don't stop having hard conversations. If you haven't had the hard conversations, try and have them. Yeah, absolutely. There are so many people that are painfully desperate for community mm-hmm. and this could be the one thing that gets them mm-hmm. there not that everyone needs to be in church or in a religious or a faithful community but don't give up yeah you know and I love church I, I believe in in corporate worship yeah right and I missed it during COVID I mean yeah. I, I missed the gathering together with like-minded believers. Mm -hmm. I missed that very much. But don't just invite people to church. Invite people into your home. Mm -hmm. Invite people to dinner. Invite people around the table. Because the table is open to everyone. Mm -hmm. 
and remind them that they are not too much. Not too much. They're not too little. Not too little. They are just enough. Just enough.